right, guys, turn in your Bibles to Galatians. We're going to start Galatians chapter 1. Uh, and we're going to be starting our sermon series through the book of Galatians. And we are going to, uh, we're going to take, I don't know how long we're going to take, uh, but we're working through Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Uh, and we're going to pound them out. Hopefully that gets us to summer. And then come summer, we're going to start Revelation, which is going to be a super fun uh, time. But uh, we're going to go just like, this could be super in-depth. Uh, so I want to encourage you guys to take notes. Uh, not because I have anything fun to say, not because Dan or John or Ryan have anything fun to say, but because God's word has some amazing things to say. Uh, and I think there's some things that are very applicable to us. So I want to encourage you guys, bring a notepad, bring a pencil, bring a highlighter, bring a pen. Uh, if you've got a smartphone, use your smartphone to take notes, not Snapchat, unless you're uh, Snapchatting your Bible uh, to yourself. Um, which I don't know why you do, but uh, we are going to really dive in tonight. Um, so before we go verse by verse, uh, what I want us to do is I'm going to give you guys kind of a brief overview of Galatians that we can go back to and reference each week when we do a little bit of review. Um, and, and we're really just going to bust this out. Does that sound good? Okay, I'm going to give you some, I'm gonna give you some uh, format. We're going to pray, then we're going to preach. Sound good? Okay, so the book of Galatians, guys, uh, is Paul uh, writing a letter to the churches of Galatia. And we're going to talk about what that is a little bit later on tonight. Uh, but this letter uh, can be broken down into three sections. It's six chapters, so each section is two chapters long. The first two chapters, you're going to want to write this down and remember this, uh, Paul is being personal. So the first two chapters are personal. And what we can see in these personal chapters is Paul is going to give us what his experiences were. This is Paul's experience, uh, his conversion, his life before Christ, his life after Christ, his life as a missionary, his life as a church planner. We are seeing Paul in a very personal way. So that's chapters one and two. So chapter one and two are... Personal. Personal. Okay, chapters 3 and 4, we're going to see Paul move from being personal to being doctrinal. Uh, Paul is going to break down uh, basic Christian doctrine. He's going to break down what is the gospel. Uh, and he's really going to turn to some theological issues. Uh, he's going to answer some questions. He's going to uh, finish some arguments. Paul is really going to get doctrinal at this point. Uh, and then chapters 5 and 6, we're going to see Paul take the doctrinal and mix it with the personal. And what he's going to do is Paul's going to make it practical. And, and, and with the practical side of this, we're going to see how we can take doctrine and apply it to our lifestyle and how we can take our personality and see it through the lens of theology. What he's going to do is he's going to take the personal, he's going to take the doctrinal, he's going to make it practical. So chapters one and two are personal. chapters three and four are and chapters five and six are. Practical. Okay, so this is going to be uh, our frame of reference. It's the format uh, that Paul uses in this letter. And we're actually going to see he uses this letter uh, or, or, or this format in some of his other letters, but they're going to be just maybe a few different points here and there. But I'm going to reference this each week. So um, if you are taking notes or uh, by the time this study is done, whether it's six weeks, whether it's 10 weeks, I don't know how long it's going to be. But by the time we're finished, I want you to be able to say, if someone says, hey, tell me about the book of Galatians, you're going to be able to say, oh, yeah, that letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. Oh, yeah, he tells us how he was personal. He tells us about doctrine, and he tells us how to make it practical. Uh, so when we walk away, that's what we want to do. Sound good? All right. Um, let's pray. Uh, and then I have, <laughs> I have so many notes. Um, 
on this. And so we're going to try and do the first 10 verses tonight. Um, if we're lucky, we're going to finish the first chapter, but I don't know if that's possible. Okay, so let's pray. Dear Jesus, uh, we thank you so much for your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. Uh, God, I pray that tonight as we study your word, as we really pound out the scripture, God, I pray that we would be inspired, that we'd be built up in our faith, uh, God, and that we would walk away tonight with a better understanding of who you are and what you have for us uh, as believers. So God, we thank you. We praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. All right, bear with me as we read this. This is what it says, picking up in verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me, to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another. Um, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than that what you received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. But I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man nor was taught it, but it came to me through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God, uh, and how I, uh, uh, God beyond measure, and tried to destroy it. And I advanced in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries of my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I I went to Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. Now concerning the things which I write to you, indeed before God, I do not lie. Afterward, I went into the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was unknown by face to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they were hearing only he who formerly persecuted us, now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God in me. Boom. Chapter 1. Uh, Paul's really breaking down some things. Um, and so let's just start off with verse 1. What's taking place? Paul's doing something here. He's writing a letter. Um, and first and foremost, what I want us to point out when it says here, it says, Paul an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God our Father who raised Jesus from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the church in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from our God and Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 
what Paul's going to do here is he's going to do something different than he does in every single letter that he writes. Every single letter, he, he writes this nice greeting, and then he, after the greeting, he goes into like a prayer of praise for the church that he's uh, writing a letter to. When it's to the church in Rome, uh, he, 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 he prays for them and he builds them up. When it's the church in Ephesus, he prays for them and builds them up. Uh, the church in Philippi uh, and in Colossae, he does the same thing. Uh, but here, Paul is going to jump straight from the greeting to the meat of why he's writing this letter. You see, there were people, and we can see this uh, in verse 6, but there were people who had snuck in the church behind Paul after Paul had established these churches, after Paul had taught them sound doctrine, people snuck in behind him and started questioning his authority. And they started saying, now, what did Paul say exactly? Okay, this is actually what's true. Um, and this is something that happens still in the church today. There are people who are trying to subvert leadership. There's people who are trying to teach a gospel other than the gospel that is taught to us in Scripture. In this case, in the first century, the people who were doing this were called Judaizers. Um, that's just a fancy word for people who were trying to make people Jewish. Uh, the Judaizers were people who were in love with the Jewish law, who were in love with the Jewish customs. Uh, they were Jewish Christians, so they were people who believed in Christ, but they believed in order to be a Christian, you had to be a Jew. You see, the Jews did not like the Gentiles. Uh, and the difference between a Jew and a Gentile, a Jew is someone who's Jewish. See, defining a word with a word. Um, but a Gentile is someone who is not Jewish. So anyone who's not Jewish. Do we have anyone who has Jewish uh, ancestry in the room today? Jesus. Okay. So, so, so none of us have Jewish ancestry that we know of, which that would make us all Gentiles. Okay? Um, and so the Jews of the first century especially did not like Gentiles. One of the Jewish rabbis of the first century, uh, he was quoted saying this, and you're going to think I'm telling you some crazy story, but this is legitimately what the Jews' mindset was in the first century. This is what the one rabbi said. He said, Gentiles were created by God as the kindling for the fires of hell. So according to first century Jews... Us, here, our only purpose in life is to become kindling for the fires of hell. That's no fun. Jonas. <laughs> right, yeah. If you trace it back far enough, we all come from Adam and we all come from Noah and all that. But that's a different story for a different sermon. Um, so the Jewish uh, understanding and mindset here in the first century was not very friendly to outsiders. But if you remember in the, in the book of Acts, Peter, he went uh, and he went to Cornelius' house and the Gentiles uh, were, were uh, receiving the Holy Spirit. They were becoming Christians. Jesus had taught that the Gentiles were going to be grafted into the church. Uh, Paul gets called as an apostle to the Gentiles. And there were some people who were trying to say, okay, if you're a Gentile, ah, okay, we're going to deal with that. Uh, but you have to become a Jew or you have to practice Jewish customs. So you have to start following uh, our Jewish moral laws. You have to uh, start doing our rituals and everything. And if you don't do those things, you cannot be saved. You're just kindling for hell. Uh, and people in the church in Galatia were like, oh man, these people must be right. They're smart people. They're coming from Jerusalem. They must be teaching us the truth. And they so quickly went away from what Paul had begun to teach them. 
And so that's the reason why Paul is writing this. Uh, what Paul does, though, here, right away, right away, Paul's going to establish uh, his authority and his, accred- uh, his credibility. Um, because these people are challenging him. Now Paul's coming in and saying, hey, I got challenged. I'm going to accept the challenge, and I'm going to tell you who I am and why I can actually speak to you about these things. He says that he is an apostle. It's the third word, Paul, an apostle. What does that word apostle mean? Does anyone know what apostle means? Anyone want to take a stab? Jonas. A follower of the Lord. Okay, a follower of the Lord. It's a good stab. Dan? Um, one who physically saw Jesus. Okay, one who physically saw Jesus. Another good stab at it. Anyone else want to take a stab? Jonas, another stab. Someone who's closer to God than disciple. Okay, someone who's closer to God than disciple. Okay, Tony? Oh, an ancient follower. Okay, okay. So these are all good stabs, and parts of them are true. All right, Amelia? What's that? Yeah, people who founded churches. That's a really good one, too. So, 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 so all of these are really good, and bits and pieces of them define apostle. Um, apostle, in its most original sense at this time, were the 12 followers of Christ. Uh, th- those were people who were apostles, and Jesus had a specific plan for them. But that was not the only meaning, uh, and that is not the broader meaning that Paul is referring to, because Paul wasn't one of the twelve, yet he's still an apostle. So what did apostle mean? Uh, apostle comes from the Greek word apostolos. Everyone say apostolos. apostolos. You're all Greek scholars now, so way to go. Uh, apostolos literally means the sent out ones. So they were people who were sent out uh, a modern day equivalent would be like someone who is a missionary or a church planter, someone who goes and starts a church. Uh, so uh, Paul was an apostle. He was someone who was sent out. He had a purpose. Barnabas was an apostle. Uh, Timothy and Titus are apostles. Uh, there's other apostles that are mentioned. Uh, Apollos. We've got um, Priscilla and Aquila. So there, there are other apostles than the 12th. In the original 12th, one of them, um, fell from his apostleship, Judas, and they voted in Matthias to fill his spot. So apostle wasn't this like rigid specific term where there was apostolic succession and boom, boom, boom. Uh, Apostle was someone who uh, in the church, it was an office that was held in the church. It was an empowerment of the spirit to go and to bring a new work of the gospel to a region that had not yet received Christ yet. So Paul was sent out to do this. Uh, And so what Paul's doing here is he's saying, hey, I am an apostle and I have a reason to be an apostle. I have been sent out, but I have an even specialer distinction than that of Barnabas, than that of Apollos, than that of Matthias, than that of any of these guys, because I saw Jesus and Jesus came to me with a specific thing to do. Anyone remember when Paul met Jesus? Yeah, on the road to Damascus, Jesus shows up in a bright light, uh, in, in a bright light and, and says, Saul. And Saul's like, ah, who are you, Lord? And Saul says, or in, in the bright light says, I am Jesus, the one who you are persecuting. Why are you persecuting me? And Saul at this point is like, oh my goodness, what am I doing? I'm messing up. I'm doing the wrong thing. He gets blind. And at the same time this is happening, the Holy Spirit speaks to Ananias, who's this prophet. He's going to go. He's going to find Paul. He's going to bring him back to health. Uh, And then he's going to commission him to be the apostle to the Gentiles. So this is a pretty big story. The churches in Galatia, when Paul is telling them this, they're going to have little to question when it comes to Paul's authority. 
Um, look at that, guys. We're not even halfway through the first verse yet. Mm-hmm. We're going to try to do the whole chapter tonight. Awesome. Okay, uh, so Paul establishes his dominance at, or, or, or his authority as an apostle. He can tell them what the true gospel is, what true doctrine is because of his own personal experience. Verse 2, he says, uh, and all the brethren who are with me. So brethren who are with him. If we go to the book of Acts, we can see many different brethren who are with him. Uh, Specifically, on your own, go do homework, write this down, uh, read Acts chapter 13 and 14, and you'll see the story of Paul's first missionary journey where he and Barnabas are commissioned to go and to preach in the region of Galatia. And we know of at least four churches that he established in Galatia. One of them is Antioch of Pisidia, another one is Lystra, another one is Derby, another one is Iconium. And in these, uh, in, in these cities, he established uh, the church from the synagogue. Uh, he preached to the Jewish people uh, and to the Gentiles, and, and he taught them about the gospel. Uh, people didn't like that, especially the Jews, and they, they kept running them out of town, running them out of town, running them out of town. Uh, here's a little practical application for you. Uh, when you talk about Jesus, and when you talk about the truth, when you talk about the gospel in the world in which we live, sometimes you might get run out of town. Uh, Maybe not physically. People are going to chase you out of Portland trying to stone you. Uh, But in the lunchroom at school, if you're talking about Jesus, uh, people might drift away from your table here and there. Um, And and that's the equivalent of being driven out of the town. And I want to let you guys know to stand firm in the Lord um, because he has you in a specific place for a specific purpose. So we have the churches of Galatia. And then he goes on in verse 3 to say, Grace and peace to you from God and uh, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, it's really cool that he says grace and peace because what he does by saying grace and peace in English, it's just grace and peace. Awesome. But in its original language, it's almost a slap to the face of the Judaizers. Because peace, they're all about it. Peace is the, the traditional Jewish uh, greeting. Uh, we like to say, hey, peace, what's up? Peace, you know? Uh, same thing in first century Judaism. They'd say, shalom, shalom. I don't know if they did the, 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 the two-finger <laughs> peace sign. Uh, but, but they'd be, hey, shalom, shalom, which means peace. And you'd say shalom to one another uh, if you were a Jew because you were saying, hey, peace, we have the Lord. Peace, peace, peace. Shalom. 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 Yeah. Uh, But check this out. He says grace as well. The Jews didn't say grace one to another. But you know who did say grace one to another? The Greeks. They would say charis, charis, charis. It's the Greek word grace. And it it was the way they would approach themselves. I don't know if they did this for peace. I mean, uh, uh, for, for grace. I don't know. Can we come up with a cool hand signal for grace? Uh, do we want to go the Vulcan sign? Yeah, uh, grace, grace, like a dove. Yeah, so they would say grace. So what Paul's doing here is he's really slapping the Judaizers in the face with his letter by saying, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Greek, I'm addressing both of you. Jew and Gentile, no partiality with God, grace and peace. Here's the cool thing about grace and peace too. Uh, grace is the spring or the well. Peace is the river that flows from it. You cannot experience peace unless you have experienced the grace of God. In order to experience the peace of God, you must first experience the grace of God. If you do not have peace in your life, you may have not experienced the true grace that comes from knowing Jesus. And once you know the grace that comes from knowing Jesus, you will receive a peace that passes all understanding. 
Grace is the well, peace is the river that flows from it, and that is the gospel that we are going to read about here in this book. It's super cool. Uh, this book, Galatians, uh, kicks down, beats down legalism, uh, people who are rules, rules, rules. This is all about freedom that comes in Christ and what it looks like to live a life in grace and live a life in peace. Uh, Galatians, how many of you guys have ever heard of Martin Luther before? Yeah, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther. Uh, he was a German dude. Uh, during the Reformation, he was, he was a Catholic monk. Uh, and he got kind of fed up with the way the Catholic Church was doing things. And he said, I'm going to write a whole new set of rules. It's called No Rules, Grace and Grace Alone. And once we have grace, we can live in this. Uh, Galatians was Martin Luther's favorite book of the Bible. I'll get to you in just a second, Tony. Uh, it, it was his favorite book of the Bible. He even said, I am married to the book of Galatians. How epic is that? Martin Luther said, I am married to the book of Galatians. Now, he didn't divorce his wife. He didn't have a wedding ceremony with Galatians. He didn't, like, kiss the bride, like, oh, Galatians. Oh, oh man. I don't know how many pages, how many hands have touched the pages. That was kind of gross. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> But he, he loved this book so much that it became a fabric of who he was. Uh, it's really cool because a guy by the name of John Wesley in the 1700s had a copy of Martin Luther's commentary of the book of Galatians. And Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Galatians changed this dude's life. His name was John Wesley. Maybe you've heard of him. He wrote many a hymn. Uh, he, he started an amazing revival in England, changed England for the Lord, uh, continued over into the Americas. Uh, it, it started this amazing movement. Uh, it, was, it was the Methodist movement. Uh, the Methodist movement birthed the holiness movement in the late 1800s, the early 1900s. That holiness movement birthed uh, a, another revival in the United States that is still existing today. We are the fruits of John Wesley's labor, and uh, which John Wesley's labor is the fruit of Martin Luther's labor. Martin Luther's labor is the fruit of Paul writing this letter to the church in Galatia, or the churches in Galatia. We are so connected to the things that Paul has to say uh, to the believer from this. And it's all rooted in there's one gospel, there's one God, Jesus Christ. He died for us, and because of that, we can experience grace and peace. That's pretty cool. Does that get you guys kind of jacked up? All right, Tony, you raised your hand. Okay, then, then, then we can hit it later. Jonas. Yeah. 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 It's it, it. It is literally the story of the gospel, and I'm actually going to come right back to that uh, when I get to verse 15. But it's like the jump back and forth. So didn't skip it. It was purposeful. Um, ver, ver, verse four says this, uh, piggybacking off of grace and peace. Uh, he says, uh, "And our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of God." the Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is a key verse. If you have a pen or a pencil, underline uh, Galatians chapter 1, verse 4 in your Bible. This is so awesome because when we get down to verse 8, when we see uh, if, you, if someone else preaches a different gospel than the gospel that we preach to you, they should be accursed. So the question we should ask is what gospel did Paul preach? Because if he's going to say, if someone preaches another gospel than the gospel that I taught, how do we know which one Paul taught? 
Well, this is the one that Paul taught here in verse 4. It's as simple as this. Christ gave himself for our sins so that we could have everlasting life with him. So check this out. This, this is the gospel in four Ps. You ready? Four Ps. Person paid a price with purpose. A person paid a price with purpose. Okay, person, Jesus, paid it on the cross. The price was death, which was the wages of our sin is death. Uh, and the purpose was our salvation. It's that gift of God for all who believe. We have this gospel, Christ and him crucified for our sins so that we can spend uh, an eternity with him. I think this is so stinking cool. Uh, and Paul says, uh, I marvel that you are turning away so soon. I was just with you. I just preached to you. We just established this church. I just taught you all of this. How are you so easily turning away from this? Do you remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus? How many of you guys remember when you first gave your heart to Jesus? Um, for, for, for some of you, uh, just by a show of hands, did anyone give their heart to Jesus like at like a youth camp or at like a youth conference or, or anything like that? Anyone? Okay, one. Uh, if when you gave your heart, and this goes for everyone, if when you gave your heart to the Lord, do you remember the way you felt, how like extremely excited you were about like life? You're like, I'm a Christian. This is awesome. I can't wait to tell everyone. Woo! I'm like, just like going. And you're like, do you guys remember just being juiced for Jesus? It was like, I'm jacked. I'm ready to go. Dan, you remember it. Like, oh my goodness. You're like crazy on fire for Jesus. Uh, but what tends to be the case in Christianity you get like that mountaintop experience, you get juice for juice, but then life just continues. And you were maybe up here at salvation, but you just slowly, maybe you don't get like low, but you're not as jacked as you were. And, 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 and what's dangerous for people in the church is when they see young people or when they see people go down to the altar and just get excited about Jesus. And they're like bouncing off the walls, excited about Jesus. The tendency for people in the church is to be like, Oh, well, they'll calm down. They'll calm down. Life, like, that's awesome. They'll calm down. And, and people mean well because they, they love the Lord, but they're like, ah, they'll calm down. Maybe they, they'll get to where we are. But here's the thing. Paul says don't calm down. He says, I marvel that you turned away so soon. Get jacked. Jesus, okay, so Paul writes a letter to the church in Ephesus, right? 30 years after that, Jesus has to write a letter to the church in Ephesus. It's found in, uh, in Revelation chapter 2. Jesus writes a letter to the church in Ephesus and says, Hello, church. You lost your first love. You have left your first love. You used to be so excited. You used to be so jacked about me. And now you're just going through the motions. I think... Paul might say to us, I marvel that you have lost your first love so quickly. I would that we would all be so stinking jacked about Jesus that it just like oozes from us. You know, how many of you guys broke a sweat in this game? 
You want to break a sweat? Okay. That's how jacked you should be about Jesus. Not that you're sweating, because uh, people might think you're weird. Uh, but that you should be metaphorically sweating Jesus juice because you're just so stinking excited about God. Okay, that's kind of a weird like image, but it's a weird image. But you should be so excited about Jesus. You should be so excited about God's word. You should be so excited about your own salvation that that begins to trickle off onto other people. Remember, grace is the spring. Peace is the river. That river should be flowing out of you. Jesus said, I have water that you know not of. Drink of my waters. You will never be thirsty again. I have rivers of living water. Rivers of living water flow from Scripture, flow from the Spirit who's in us. And if we are truly transformed by Jesus, that should be gushing out of us and people should be seeing that. That's the real deal. And it doesn't happen very often. And Paul says, I marvel that you've turned away so soon. Now, I know most of us in this room, and I don't think any of us have turned away from the gospel. So when I say, Paul might say to us, I marvel that you've turned away. I don't think Paul would be saying he marvels that we turned away because we're following some weird religion. I think he'd just say, hey, get jacked about Jesus again. But the church here, they had turned away to a different religion. They had turned from Christianity to a different form of religion. A false religion. A religion that was based off of works, that was based off of earning your salvation through following rituals and customs. But that is not the gospel. Kind of. And Paul's going to break it down. He says, uh, different, uh, uh, to a different gospel, which is not another, but are some who trouble you and want to pervert. There were those who were there, the Judaizers, they were trying to pervert the gospel of Christ, which means adding to. Does anyone know what the word gospel means? Okay, don't remember. Uh, yes, Dan. Yeah, the gospel is the good news. It's good news. Jesus paid it all. That's good news. And here's the thing, if you begin, what it means by pervert here is adding to the gospel. You cannot add to the phrase, Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. There's nothing else to be paid. You cannot add to the gospel. It's not follow Jesus, do this, do this, do this. It's not even follow Jesus and do this. It's follow Jesus, Jesus and nothing else. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus did it for you because you, no matter how good you are, you couldn't do it on your own. What does the gospel mean? The teachings of Jesus and the apostles, the Christian revelation. Okay, so, so yeah. The Greek word gospel means good news. So, so God, like, that's like a generic gospel. It's the teachings of Jesus. No, no. The gospel in its... The Greek word gospel means the good news. It, it is extra, extra, read all about it. The dude out on the corner with the newspaper. Gospel, good news, good news. Um, and, and he's saying, you cannot add to it. He said, even if we, this is important. He says, if I come back to you and I start trying to add things to it, I should be accursed. You cannot add to the gospel. If anyone 
an angel from heaven, uh, which if an angel from heaven starts preaching a different gospel, we're, we're not talking about an angel from heaven now. We're talking about demon. Like, this is no good. Uh, he, here's one for you. There was a guy by the name of Muhammad in the 7th century who, who went into a cave and he said, an angel appeared to me, Gabriel appeared to me, and taught me this gospel. It's extra. Islam. Joseph Smith, the 1800s, an angel appeared to me, taught me this gospel, different than this gospel, Mormonism. If an angel or a man or anyone preaches a different gospel than the gospel here, then it is not from God and it should be accursed. We have to know scripture and believe scripture. Super cool. Um, oh guys, look, we're in verse 9. This is awesome. I have 10 minutes to cover the rest of this. Okay, uh, so, so, so he goes on to say, I will say it again. If anyone preaches a different thing, uh, then they should be accursed. He goes on to say at the at verse 10, he said, Do I now try and persuade men or, or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I still sought to please men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Here's the thing. He says, I don't have to impress you. I don't have to impress you. I'm doing this before God. I don't need to show up to you and preach a gospel of you know what? And like do some like flary thing, like whoosh, this is awesome. And then uh, if you want to be like me, then sign up for the 90-day free trial of my gospel, Jesus plus this. Like that's that's not he he says, I'm not doing that. I as God as my witness, Jesus and Jesus alone. Boom, boom, boom. All right, here we go. What he's going to do in verses uh, 11 through 17 is he's going to talk about how he got called to the, to, to the apostleship, uh, which is he, he briefly says it in verse 1, um, and then he's going to expand on it. He says, uh, um, I may know this gospel not because it was given to me by man or it was taught to me, but because it was given to me by the revelation of Jesus Christ. I, Jesus showed up to me, and he said, go do this. And he said, uh, I used to persecute the church. I used to be like boss hog Jewish man, uh, a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was the best. I was top of my class. I studied under the greatest rabbi, Gamamiel. Like, I, like th- I am the man. But then Jesus showed up and wrecked me because I wasn't the man. I was a dork. And Jesus wrecked me, and now I have a purpose. And that purpose is to go share the gospel. And he goes, but once this happened, I didn't go like tell everyone, like, guess what? Jesus showed up to me. Yo, Dan, Jesus showed up to me. Abigail, guess what? Jesus showed up to me. He told me I'm going to go do this. Tony, guess what? Jesus? No, no, no. He said, I didn't do that. I didn't go seeking the approval of man. I didn't go to man talking some big game. He said, I went into the desert. I went into Arabia. Then I went into the desert of Damascus. I went away for three years to study, to be taught by the Spirit. Like, I mean, in those three years, we don't know. The book of Acts doesn't tell us. Paul just mentions it here. But three years, he's just going, and he's having this time where it's him and God, and he's learning this gospel from Jesus. So I don't know if, like, Paul's going into a cave and Jesus is showing up at the chalkboard teaching him the gospel. I don't know. But I'm going to ask Paul when I get to heaven and say, hey, yo, Paul, in those three years, how did you learn this gospel? Because you said it was given to you by Jesus. Did Jesus hang out with you in the dead? Like, I want to. But Paul got it. And then he says, after that, I went up to Jerusalem. I hung out with Peter for 15 days. That, 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 uh, that hanging out with Peter, that going up to, to Peter uh, is the Greek word. Historiasia. Anyone want to guess the English word that we get from there? Yeah, history. Okay. Historiasia literally means I am going with the intent to become acquainted with. 
So he went to Peter with a mission. I'm going to go to Peter. I'm going to study with Peter for 15 days. I want to learn everything there is to know about the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So boom, he learns it from Peter. And then he goes, and then I didn't see anyone else. I didn't see John. I didn't see Barnabas. I didn't see uh, Bartholomew. I didn't see Thaddeus or Thomas or anyone. I did see one other guy, Jesus' younger brother, James. I saw him and I hung out with him. So I'm pretty sure I can teach you the gospel. My three mentors are Jesus, Peter, and James. I've got a pretty good set of teachers. Now I'm going to preach it to you. And then he says, uh, oh, and just in case you, 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 you don't think I'm telling the truth, I'm not lying. Tony. Who is James? Well, I've never heard of his little brother. Uh, James is Jesus' uh, little brother. He, he wrote the letter of James. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, maybe you just didn't know. And maybe we'll talk more about all that uh, at a different time. But, but yes, this is Jesus. Uh, Jesus, had, Jesus had a few other brothers. Uh, another one of them wrote a book of the Bible. Jude, another one of Jesus' younger brothers. Uh, so these dudes are pretty like studly. Uh, they, they know what's going on. Uh, they know what Jesus taught. And he says, so what I did uh, was I remained in Syria and Sicilia and I preached. And then I went out and I preached. And I didn't have this name. I didn't have like, oh, here comes the Apostle Paul. He's the greatest dude ever. Buy your tickets now before they sell out. Like, he said, people didn't even know who I was. They just, like, rumor about it. Dude, I think the guy who was trying to kill us a year ago is now trying to preach to us. Let's maybe go hear what he has to say. He's like, I didn't have a reputation. It wasn't about me. This is all about Jesus. And and Paul goes on his first missionary journey. And we can see his first missionary journey in, in, in Acts chapter 13 and chapter 14. He goes... And they're in Antioch. And in Antioch, they are first called Christians. Like, that is when they are first called Christians. The church in Antioch, the prophets, they're coming around, they're prophesying. Paul and Barnabas are there, and the Holy Spirit speaks to the church and says, Commission Paul and Barnabas. Send them out to the entire world to teach the gospel. So to those who are coming into the church in Galatia saying, Yeah, you know, Paul... He, he never actually met Jesus. He, he actually tried to kill you guys. You probably shouldn't listen to him. We have the law of Moses. We know what's going on. Listen to us. Paul is slapping them in the face. He says, get your facts straight. This is the truth. And there is only one truth. So if you take anything away from tonight, because we're going to try and wrap this up now, because um, i got four minutes to try and wrap it up. Paul could have said a lot of other things. Because by the time he's writing this letter, Paul has established lots of churches. Lots of churches. He's been on missionary journeys. He's gone all over the world preaching about Jesus. He's established churches in the dirtiest of dirty, sinful cities to some pretty, actually, nice cities. He's established churches in cities that were the banking capitals of the Roman Empire, uh, to the trade capital of the Roman Empire. He's established cities um, where there's gladiatorial games. He, he has established churches everywhere. And he could have led with that. I'm a master church planter. I'm a master missionary. I know what's going on. People follow me. They also try and follow me because they're trying to kill me, but that's a different story. He could have led with all that. Paul says, I could boast I could boast in all of my own things. I could boast in being beaten. I could boast in being shipwrecked. I could boast in the fact that everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit shows up and churches are established. I could boast in that, but I don't boast in that. And if I do boast, I boast in the Lord because it isn't even me. He said, but I have 
Come to the understanding to know this and nothing else. Christ and him crucified. You see, if you read in the book of Acts, he's established a few churches here and there. He shows up in Athens. Athens is like the capital of Greece. It's like one of the second or third biggest cities in the Roman Empire. And he shows up in Athens. He says, these people are pretty smart. I'm pretty smart. I'm going to try and just like fit in with the world. And I'm going to teach them the gospel from within. And I'm going to establish this mega church here in Athens. And he tried. And he went to the Greek temples. And and he said, oh, a statue to the unknown God. Did you know the unknown God is Jesus and you should worship? And he goes and he starts doing all of this stuff in Athens. And he's trying to like get in with all the people and and, and do all this. And he, he, he preaches just a ton in Athens. But then he leaves Athens and he didn't do something. He never established a church because he was trying to add to the gospel. There was no Athenian church. There's no first and second Athenians because it didn't happen. And, and from Athens, Paul goes to Corinth, which is Los Angeles of the Roman Empire. And he says, I'm not going to try and fit in. I'm not going to try and do anything else. But I'm going to teach Christ and him crucified, the grace and the peace that comes from God. I'm going to teach them about the love that I can experience and that they can experience from the Spirit. And he only teaches Jesus. Guess what happens? Booming church starts in Corinth. They had some issues. First and second Corinthians, they deal with them. Did you know he actually wrote four letters to the church in Corinth? Uh, They had some issues. But the church was established. And the church grew. By the end of the first century, oh my goodness. By the end of the first century, the church is still booming. And, 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 and the, church, the church is still growing. We have letters from the church of Corinth that were written in the first century. We have letters from the church of Corinth that were written in the third century. Do you know that the church that Paul established in Corinth is still a church that holds services every Sunday to this day? And they can trace every single pastor, not even skipping a year, all the way back to when Paul established the church. Why? Because Christ is the foundation. There is no other foundation than that of Jesus Christ. So if you take anything from tonight, I've said some funny things, I've got some laughs, we played a crazy game, but here's the thing. In your life, your foundation must be Jesus Christ and nothing else. That is the gospel. And it is only Jesus that saves It's not your works, lest any man should boast. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And when we realize that, we can experience the grace of God. And when we experience the grace of God from the grace of God, rivers of living water, rivers of peace, the joy of the Spirit, the love of the Spirit, all those things can flow from us. And we'll sweat the Jesus juice, right? Like, hashtag Jesus juice for tonight, right? Um... So remember that. The gospel is this. Jesus paid it all. Grace and peace. Amen. Does that sound good? All right, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much uh, for your word. God, we thank you uh, for speaking to us tonight through your word. Uh, God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit inspired Paul 2,000 years ago to write this down. God, I pray that we would be inspired, uh, that we have a God who loves us. We, we, we serve a God who paid our debt, uh, and he's given us his grace. And from that grace, we can experience his peace, and we can take it everywhere we go. God, thank you for commissioning us to be many apostolos, to go out into the world and to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ.
So God, we thank you. We praise you. Bless us. And as we come back next week, uh, may we just be stoked uh, to hear your word. We just pray all this in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Dan, I'll let you unlock that, stop that.